ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Figa podcast, episode number 324. Chris, one point away from the title. A few months ago, we were seven down, and now we're one point away. How are you feeling? It's been a magnificent reviravolta by Benfica and Bruno Lage and the boys. I mean, we totally could have not asked for better, especially when we're looking up seven points behind at that time from Foco do Porto. And now here we are, one game away, hopefully another three points, but at the bare minimum, God forbid you do slip up, you need a draw, and you walk away with number three set with a tremendous comeback, tremendous uh, composure by this team, uh, tr tremendous attitude by this team to, to keep up the fight and never give up, even when things got real bleak. And right now, here we are. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, one goddamn game away. <laughs> from picking up number 37. That's right. The voice you were listening to, you, you were just listening to, is Cristiano Oliveira. I'm Alfredo Fumasas. A heartbroken Cristiano Oliveira. <laughs> heartbroken. And we won't get into that, but maybe Cristiano will explain a little bit later. The uh, Knicks. The Knicks. That's all I got to say. Anybody that knows basketball knows what the hell I'm talking about. The Knicks. On the other side of uh, of the border, up north, is Dave the Oliveira. We missed you, Dave. How you been? I'm doing good. Great to be back on here tonight. Uh, missed you guys last week, but uh, always a good show. Listen to it. Uh, and like you, we're, like you said, we're on the eve uh, almost of uh, being crowned the champions uh, for the 37th time. So We're on uh, the precipice. The precipice, yes. So. On the brink. <laughs> on the brink. We, go, we see the light, and uh, it's, it's coming there. We see the light. We see the light. Yes, we do. So. That light has guided us this uh, this season. Um, know, sometimes that light, that light almost derailed our season. <laughs> yeah, we almost got blinded by the light at one point. There's many, many things, and, and, and it's so prophetic. Uh, yeah, it's so prophetic. Is that such a word? It's prophetic. Man, we just <laughs> so make it up. Yo, if you just went along with it. People would have thought it meant something, yeah. but now you gave it away. And it's so. kind of like, you know, and, and look, I know that we're, we're kind of getting sidetracked here as we start the, the podcast, but it the light has been a current team of this season for Benfica, right? So uh, first we had the the light with Luis Fliviera. Now we've had this controversy with the lights in the stadium. Now mm -hmm. we're seeing there's the light at the end of the tunnel and we're when one step from, from being uh, crowned uh, champions after a wondrous uh, turnaround, as Cristiano mentioned. Uh, but yeah, the, the light has to be one of the teams of the season. If you look back at the season, you look at well, what are some of your teams. I think that the light has to be one for sure. The only light I want to talk about is the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't need to mention any other light. Let's worry about <laughs> that light that we can see right now. It's so close, getting so close to us right now. Um, and, and I'm ecstatic, and I couldn't have been any happier right this moment, to be br I mean, brutally honest with you. I mean, this is an unbelievable feeling. Um, just you know, we have to capitalize now. I mean, let's not uh, yeah. uh, so let's just make sure we uh do what we have to do on Saturday. But before that, we have to talk about this weekend's game in yep. Vila Con. 
Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, we have uh, we have a uh, kind of just a couple topics for you. Uh, uh, you know, we'll look back at the at the game in Vila do Conde, and we'll look ahead to the last game of the season against Santa Clara uh, at Stadio Luz this uh, this Saturday. Um, so it, there's not much, right? We, we're kind of reduced to to this, and and I mean, if you're a Benfiquista, this is something that you've been looking for. Uh, for most of the season. So here we are on the brink. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of nerves and a lot of anxiety as far as uh, seeing this thing through. And and for sure, uh, I think that you, if you're a Benfica, you want to see it through. Um, but let's start with this Riwav game. So this is a game that uh, that we anticipated some difficulties. Porto had played Riwav just three weeks ago. Uh, after being on top for 2 nothing. they let themselves, they let Riwav back in the game. And this is just a the typical Riwav that we also saw against Benfica. So as far as the starting 11, nothing nothing new here. Uh, the same starting 11 that we have been seeing. I'm not even going to go through the starting 11. Uh, but the game started quite nice for us uh, after a cross from Andre Almeida, uh, um, a bad uh, a bad uh, clearance by, or, or actually hit somebody. And I don't know, it hit somebody, rebounded to Rafa. Rafa was right on top of the goalie and just pushed it in. So uh, talking about the the nerves that the team has, has felt. And, and Dave, I'm sure you had the opportunity to see the pictures of the bus arriving in Gaia before, before the day before the game, then arriving at the stadium. And this is something that, and we have said here this every week that the players can't be indifferent to, uh, to the, these manifestations of support by the fans. And, and for some players, uh, the young players have never seen this, but now you go into a game And there's nothing like getting that early goal, goal that early goal, uh, to uh, to get those nerves off your back. Yeah, of course, especially when we've seen in weeks past when uh, we don't get the early goal right away and the uh, pressure starts to mount. But uh, yeah, a real blunder goal there. Um, a goal is a goal. We'll take it for sure. Three minutes in by Rafa. Um, but uh, yeah, great to see all the Benfica fans up uh, up at the uh, the game there. I know that people say, oh, up north, it's only Porto. But uh, this weekend, if that goes to show you uh, anything, it's that uh, we're well alive up north and uh, we might take Porto for a run up their, uh, their money up there. But uh, yeah, good to, great to see uh, Rafa get on the score sheet again. He picks up uh, his 20th of the season, uh, 16th goal in the Liga Noche. And uh, prior to this season, Rafa had only a combined five goals for Benfica. And now this year, he's already got uh, 20. So... What a turnaround for this guy! Yeah, Rafa has been on an absolute uh, tear all this uh, all this season. Uh, both him and, and Seferovic and Andre Almeida—they're having absolute career years uh, this this season. Um, but it, look, look the, the biggest thing, and I guess that, that you could take take from this game. Well, if you're an anti, that you could take to this game. This game is 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 stained, I guess, if you could say stained. Um, by uh by co some some refereeing controversy right so um we're very quick here if you listen to the show we're very quick to uh to say when what's what to call a spade a spade as cristiano uh likes to mention so um i guess i'll, I'll just start that um the second goal of Bifica, yes it's preceded by a foul that foul by the way um is outside the box so the if you're not a referee if you're not if you don't know the laws of the game Uh, a foul is called when the foul originated, and that foul originates outside the box. Obviously, it carries into the box. 
Uh, the referee felt that uh, there was no foul there. He went to the VAR. Benfica comes to uh, to the other end. Um, there's a ball put through by Seferovic to Pizzi. Pizzi's onside. Uh, Pizzi doesn't touch the ball. The goalie saves the ball. It uh, rebounds to João Felix, who was on offside at the time that the ball was played for Pizzi, and João Felix puts it away. So, and that's how the half finished. But, but Cristiano, talking about the, this controversy, and the look, um, I don't know if you could say that referees uh, err on purpose. Certainly, there's a lot of mistakes. Uh, some teams get benefited more than others, but this is we could we could call a spade a spade. This was a mistake. Ish. This goal shouldn't have been given. Yeah, and the worst part about it is, as we've stated here on the podcast many times, a mistake today doesn't equal a mistake from four or five years ago. A mistake today has has the ability to be rectified with the VAR, and somehow, even the VAR doesn't. <laughs> See the mistake. They don't rectify. It just it, it's it, it makes it look really bad for the Portuguese league and for Benfica. As a Benfica, I don't want to see Benfica winning in this matter. Uh, I want Benfica to win, you know, clean and fair. And, you know, I don't want I don't like these controversies involved with refereeing in Portugal because we all know it's a joke what's going on in Portuguese football. And so I try to stay, you know, I want Benfica to stay as far away from that controversy as possible. But, to, to you know, this weekend. There was nothing Benfica could do. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's a refereeing decision. That's a VAR decision, and it's it's despicable what's going on because it's one thing for a referee to get it wrong because obviously they don't have eyes all over the place. But how the how does the VAR yeah miss it? I mean, it just it makes it look like it's deliberate, yeah, and it's and it's not pretty at all for Portuguese football. Well, you know, the biggest thing is is that uh, I'm sure that when when these guys sit in front of their bosses, I'm talking about the referees. There has to be an explanation for the logic of the call, right? So. Like you said, Hugo Miguel uh, didn't get the, the same eyes as the VAR says, but there has to be an explanation. So the VAR said, okay, well, there's no foul here uh, that we felt was enough contact for, for a foul. Then come to the other side and and there's no offside. So, I mean, Benfica's really what, – what, how, how does Benfica doesn't really play a part in this because Benfica kind of left themselves at the mercy of the VAR, and it's not really Benfica's fault that the VAR got it wrong. Well, I mean, it's, look, again, I don't <laughs> I don't really want to get into this, bro, but it's like you could say Benfica's part, and it is the influence that Benfica has on referees, right? And that's where it legitimizes that argument from the haters because when you say – that that is as clear as day, and even the VAR decides not to look at it, decides not to call a you know a spade a spade. It leaves a lot of doors open. It leaves a lot of questioning to you know what I mean. And so I think it's just a bad part by everyone involved. Um, I think look, I'm with you. Benfica really can't comment on this, right? Benfica's not going to come out and try to defend or whatever. I think Benfica should just go ahead and and worry about prepping and setting up for the next game and winning the game at home and clinching the campeonato. But the people in the in the league. The people in the refereeing association, those people need to have an answer. I mean, I think that the VAR conversation should be made public. I think that the referees yeah. should have to answer questions as to uh, the why, you know, as to why they called a certain foul a foul, as to why they didn't call another foul a foul. And look, credit to whomever, and I know Portistas and the haters. And again, that's not to say if Benfica doesn't score that goal and they call it an offside like they should have, that Benfica still doesn't wind up winning the game, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, yeah. that's not what we're saying. Um, so, but to their credit, they, they suspended the referee and they suspended the VAR referee and because they admitted that there was fault there. Now, as a Benfica, I don't like that because yeah. it makes it sound like we were done a favor. Yep. 
you know, so it's just an ugly situation that's going on in Portugal. But again, let's let's not get it messed up. Anyone that's trying to act as if Benfica was not going to win that game, they're going to lose that game if they didn't score that second goal. That's that's BS. Well, we well, never know what the hell happens. Maybe well, they score more. Maybe they don't. But yeah, we don't know. Let's not forget also that uh, the referees that were that that officiated the semifinal of the Tasa de Liga were guys that were also suspended after that game. So regardless how you want to approach this. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you guys follow Rui Santos, uh, I don't know how many of you follow Rui Santos with uh, Tempo Extra or whatever it is. He has this table that he puts up every week uh, that basically is the is the, the truth table or, or Liga Real, as they call it, in which he basically takes points away for bad referee calls that, that influence the game. And the way he has it as of uh, this this uh, today, actually Tuesday, as we record this. Uh, Benfica with 82 points, Porto with 78, Sporting with 70. So that's how um, how bad referee calls have influenced this league and what he calls the Liga Real. Of course, we know that it's 84, 82 for 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 Sporting. I mean, for Benfica and Porto, but he has 82 to 78. So regardless, take that how's it uh, how how you wanted to take it. Uh, but I, I find it tremendously hypocritical of a team, and especially Pinto Costa, who got uh, a, a cover uh, this week on the newspaper, a guy to be talking about morals and morality and truth, a guy that was convicted of, uh, of corruption in which he accepted the punishment and to come out in public and and state that Benfica is influences the results. I mean, very hypocritical. I guess you can say that if if there was some type of influence by Benfica, there was some type of corruption or cheating involved by Benfica, he would know because he's an expert at these <laughs> things. So uh, I guess he was the right person to have on. Yeah. But, um, it could be. It's. I think it's more of a problem with the big three if we're going to point fingers at Benfica or point fingers at Porto. I think a combined big three, they'll probably get the benefit of the call 99% of the time when they're playing these uh, smaller teams. So it's yeah. more of a, a big three issue rather than just a, a single uh, team. To be Yeah, honest. I, I think, you know, and, and I tend to to agree with that. I, I do think that the bigger teams get more of the benefit of the doubt than the big teams get and usually probably get a little bit more favorable calls than, than a, a smaller team. Uh, he just doesn't get as much coverage as when it happens to Benfica. But well, Sporting, that's true. Sporting's on 14 penalties this year. Uh, <laughs> they are. They're on 14, but nobody says a peep. I mean, they're three away from tying the all-time records, which was the Mario Jardelias in 2001 when they won the Campeonato with 17 penalties that year. They're at 14 this year. Uh, Porto is the team in, Portug in, in Portuguese football with the most fouls committed this past season without a zero yellow card. I mean, was a zero uh, without card. a no red card. Red card. That's what I meant to say. Um, but yet nobody talks about those statistics. Anything that favors Benfica or, or portrays or could be deemed as, as favoring Benfica, it's world news because the Dragartos and the haters, everybody's going to come out and point at it and, and single it out. But when Porto is scoring offside goals and getting points and, and when they should never get points, nobody ever talks about it. Because the, right now, the, the machine, the PR machine is, is constructed as such in Portugal that is just directing negative and, and dirty and just all the negative news that you could possibly come away with or make up sending it towards Benfica. And it's just, and again, I'm not defending Benfica because I think you and I just both sat here and we said that yeah. that, that shouldn't have been a goal that, you know, right. I have no problem calling a spade a spade, but it just, everything right now in Portugal is, 
is is shifted or directed at Benfica to just make to, to discredit everything they've done all season, to discredit the yeah. fact that they were seven points behind, to discredit the fact that they played their direct rival and beat them twice. You understand? They were seven points. Benfica beat them twice. So Porto has no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, went to Alvalade and spanked Sporting. Uh, and and look, I, I think I mean you you took it. You look at the top, yeah, four or five teams. Benfica beat every single one of them. They did what they had to do. Yes, they dropped points against Bolognese twice. Uh, uh, you know, five out of six points against Bolognese, which is you know something that that shouldn't be forgivable. But at the same time, Benfica it won the games when they needed to win them. Um, and to be fair, with the exception of this game, I don't recall another game that Benfica was handed a favor or yeah. handed a call that really changed the game. I mean. You never want to see it go that way, but at the same time, I mean, stop your crying, stop your crying. This, I mean, you're all history. The last forty years, all you've done is, yeah, is gotten favored and corrupted and beaten on people and gotten away with murder. Now here you are on a cover of a newspaper acting like you're, you know, uh, what's his name, Pope John Francis the Second. Make it up, man. Hold. No, uh, you know, and and look, I hate to to stick on this referee topic and, and as you know us it's something that we really don't we kind of leave that for other shows to to discuss but it, it, you know the biggest thing that that I that I wanted to bring up is is how hypocritical some of these people have been uh with the way the league has gone this season and to turn that and think and say that Benfica is, is being helped throughout when they really can't just take a step back and 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 give credit to Benfica for what they've done, being seven points down and being able to beat Port twice, go to Alvalade and beat Sporting, go to Braga, beat Braga, regardless, whatever. But uh, you know, here here we are now. But uh, it, it's always something. It's always something uh, with the antis and with the dragartus. You you know how it is. But uh, let's just. Uh, just want to wrap up this game real quick. So um, 2-1 into the halftime. Uh, come out of the second half. Uh, Braga gets on this. Uh, Braga. Riwav um, gets one back in the 50th minute. Uh, PT puts us up uh, by three, uh, by two, with the scoring Mifika's third goal, making the score 3-1 in the 56th minute. Uh, and then we we kind of... We struggled a little bit to keep uh, to keep Riwav um, out of this game. There was a couple chances that we had that we could have put the game away, and I think that was perhaps they've to me the the most nerving thing was to see Benfica being able to put the games away with chances out. And Real Madrid, Seferovic had chances to put game the game away, and they missed those goals. And I you could see that Riwav was still around, and they were going to continue to ha to 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 be around. Yeah, of course, and uh, it definitely was not a comfortable uh, way to finish off the game. Uh, like you said, Seferovic uh, had his typical one big miss of the uh, game that uh, could have put some more ease and comfort uh, to finish off the game. But uh, give you got to give credit to uh, Riuav. They uh, they didn't stop playing their game, and I think uh, at the end of the uh, second half, and even at the beginning of the second half, Benfica kind of took their their foot off the pedal there and let uh, Riuav play uh, their own style of game. And uh, they capitalize with uh, two goals. And if you look at it, all three of Benfica's goals come from uh, defensive mistakes. The first one's either a, a bounce off a defender. Rafa puts it in the net. Second goal, we like we've discussed, it's the um, non-call that turns uh, into a breakaway. Goaltender gives up a rebound. Uh, João Felix buries it in. Now the third goal... Uh, Grimaldo uh, runs it in, uh, bounces off another defender, and then uh, PT, you can say that uh, he picks that bottom corner, but uh, the defender also didn't clear it uh, properly. 
there either. So you can look at it that Benfica capitalized on defensive mistakes, but uh, for the most part, Triwav uh, really uh, contained as well. And uh, they also had their chances that they were able to convert on as well. Yeah. And look, you, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, I, I, and I find this super interesting, right? Because uh, it seems that when teams don't have much to to play for, that they've even secured uh, secured the the promotion or or secured a stable a stable place in the table. It, it kind of almost seems that you you see natural things come from these teams, more attractive football, and this is Riwav right now is playing attractive football. Something that we haven't seen in a while. I know that they changed coaches, and maybe that could be due to that. And their coach was saying in the post-conference that he wished he had a few more games uh, left in the season. But, I mean, you see other games throughout the throughout this jornada, and you see teams playing open football, attractive football with uh, with high score lines. And, and look, I you know, I hate to see teams playing so defensively that it's bad for the spectacle of the sport or for for the attendance but uh you know it is what it is but uh yeah i mean tough tough uh tough game for Benfica, and uh we were we were able to to lock up the the three points and and i know that uh we're, we're that close we're not celebrating as cristiano mentioned but but yeah this is this was the one game and traveling up north is never an easy uh task But this is the one game that uh, we uh, we got back in there and uh, we got the three points, and especially with uh, with Porto playing before us. And having beaten us, you know, 4-0. So yeah. Pressure was on Benfica. I mean, I, I don't know how much pressure was on Benfica, but there was pressure on Benfica because you always knew in the back of your pocket, you always had to, you could get away with a draw and then come home and try to get the three points and you expect nothing but the three points at home from Benfica and Santa Clara. So I think that that eased the players a little bit, but it was nothing like getting a, a very important win uh, on the road in a very tough place to play in the game, in, in a place that our direct rival just dropped points a week earlier. Um, so I think it's very important for Benfica. Was it a week early or two weeks early? Might have been two weeks. Two, right? two or three weeks. Uh, I think it was two. Two weeks early, right? Yeah, it was two weeks early. The Porto uh, tied? Yeah, it was last Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. So it was a week couple, earlier. Couple, a week, couple a week weeks. earlier. A week earlier. No, a couple weeks. Yeah, they had one game uh, after that. They had okay, so it was two uh, weeks prior. Tondela. So, exactly. So it was two weeks prior. But um, no, Sporting was Tondela. No, they had uh, who, who was the Ferenc? Something like that. Somewhere, yeah, something like that. Ah, oh, ah, that's ah, right. So it was two weeks earlier. So a very important win for Benfica uh, at the end of the day. So I think right now uh, Benfica comes home um, and they have to concentrate and, and clear out all the noise because nothing is guaranteed because, you know, there's a reason why the games have to be played. But I'm very, very confident that Benfica will be able to uh, to put a wrap on this come Saturday. And hopefully Saturday afternoon we'll all be celebrating uh, for Numero 37 and then start singing uh, the, the, the new song, Damo 38. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's time for a new version. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, Dave, you get you got an interesting stats here about um, about both the PT and, and the amount of uh, goals that Pefiga has allowed this season. You want to talk through that? Yeah, so like we mentioned, Pizzi got on the uh, scoreboard with the third goal. Uh, so it was his 13th goal of the season. And uh, between goals and assists, he's been involved in 32 of Benfica's 99 league goals scored this season. So about uh, One third? 32%, about a third of the goals scored, or uh, he's been involved in this season. And uh, 
But on the flip side of that, on the flip side of 99 scoring 99 goals, this team's also conceded 30 goals uh, this season, and that's the first time since 2010-2011 that uh, Benfica has score, uh, conceded 30 goals in the uh, Portuguese uh, Campeonato. So uh, that's one thing I'm looking not to get too far ahead of ourselves uh, with this season, but uh, I hope that's something that Benfica looks to uh, um, sort out this summer with their uh, defensive uh, capabilities because conceding two, 30 goals is too many goals for me, in my opinion. I saw a stat that Benfica was a totally drastic, totally different team without Gabriel in the game. In the last nine games, they allowed like crazy number of I goals. That. Then when they, they allow like one point something goals or two point, whatever, one point, almost two goals per game, as opposed to when he was at, which was like 0.5 goals per game. It makes a huge difference in the midfield. But then again, I, I think this team down the stretch, the nerves uh, kicked in. Uh, teams also had higher motivation to play against Benfica. So things did change, but I, I do think Gabriel in there would have made things even easier. I mean, he's just, he's an exceptional player. He's another guy just like Samaris, who was uh, many people's player of the match on Saturday. Again, I don't think I don't think uh, on Sunday, I don't think there was one Benfica player that had like a stellar game. I thought it was a bunch of average performance. Effort, yeah. yeah, it was nothing like where someone stood out. But a lot of people did say that somebody was a man of the match. Uh, and that's another guy going back to Gabriel, another guy that did not suit the previous coach. Uh, for some reason, he didn't appreciate their play. And, and both of those guys became key parts of the team once Bruno Lodge took over. And and and, and Samadhi's a guy that was on his way out. I mean, Oof. a lot of people, including myself, wouldn't have batted an eye had he left Benfica. And now you see he's become a huge, huge part of this team. Uh, obviously, he renews today for another four years. I'm... I'm a little bit worried about that four years. I would have been cool with two years with a third uh, for a team option. Four years, he's 34 by the time because he's about to be 30 next month, yeah. I believe. So he'll be 34 by then. So I'm not too crazy about that fourth year. But Benfica had to do what they had to do to keep this guy because he's become such a huge uh, part of this team. And he's a big reason why Benfica was was able to overturn the seven points because the guy's been absolutely stellar playing on the Bruno Lodge. Um, it's just sad that. Our boy Gabriel uh, got injured in the Tasa Portugal game against Sporting. Hasn't been able to participate, but those two together should be a lot of fun coming into next season. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad that you brought up Samaris, which is a great segue to uh, another topic that I wanted to talk about, Samaris renewal. So this, this obviously, if you've, if you've been following Vifiga, which I, I know you have, that there's this movement about renewing Samaris. So ever since Samaris was brought into the lineup and he's finally started getting that game rhythm, uh, there was the hashtag uh, Renova Samaris or, or some, whatever it was uh, started popping up. And, the, you know, I think that there's there's very little foreigners currently at Befica that feel Befica or the club like Samaris uh, does, right? So I think that uh, we, we've often said that. And I think that it's apparent to everyone that follows Benfica, that uh, hears somebody speak, that hears somebody's behavior on the field, uh, the as embodiment of, of the club, the club's uh, culture. I think that uh, nobody really denies that this guy's uh, 
if he wasn't a Befiquista before, he's a Befiquista now, obviously adopted club, obviously. And he wanted to stay in Portugal. He had made that wish well known that he wanted to stay in Portugal. At one point, there was rumors that he may end up at uh, at Porto. And I don't know how much of that was uh, agent talk or, or, or negotiating tactics. But the truth of the matter is that he signed today until 2024. 2023, sorry. Uh, his clause uh, stays at 45 million. Uh, and he's a he's a guy that uh, has really come to life with this um, with this Rui Vitória and I uh, with Rui Vitória with Bruno Lage and I, I'm thinking of Rui Vitória because I'm uh, I'm looking at the stats and I wanted to bring him up. So we arrived in the 14-15 uh, season that was under uh, under uh, uh, George Zouch. Uh, at that time, during that season, he played 28 uh, Liga Nars games, 27 as a starter, one as a, as a substitute. Uh, in 15-16, which is Rui Vitória's first year, he played in 27 Liga Nars games, 19 of them as a starter, eight as coming off the, the bench. 16-17, uh, 18 Liga Nars uh, games, nine as a starter, nine coming off the bench. 17-18, uh, 18 Liga Nars games, again, that he participated in, four as a starter, 14 off the bench and 18 19 again we see uh as resurgence 18 games for the league of 16 games as a starter two games as uh a, a, a used substitute so we see here that th this is a guy that um spent three and a half years basically under Rui Vitoria and so is playing time diminished, right? He was getting playing time in the Tassa, uh, but not in, in the important game. So uh, he's a guy, and, and at the end of the game, you can't help but notice the emotion that he has in his voice, in his flash interview after this Riwav game, uh, right before, I guess, he, he knew he was going to renew. But there's there, there has to be somewhat of a, of a personal victory for him to be able to go through what he went through Rui Vitoria from going from being a featured important player under JJ going to Rui Vitoria uh seeing his playing time diminish still putting out the work that he put out every single day he went to the Seychelles and he worked hard uh and nobody can can deny that and now finally seeing that hard work being rewarded it's it's a triumph, right? It's a triumph for him, and you can't help but to feel good about this this and story. Julio Cesar, the former Benfica goalkeeper, came tweeted that that's that same sentiment earlier today that he couldn't have been happier for for Samaris because he knows how much the guy suffered uh, through these last couple of years, how much this you know Benfica meant to him, and how much this renewal meant to him. Um, you could definitely tell his teammates appreciated him. His teammates are excited for him. He's a he's a team first guy. Um, and, and he's a, you know, good representative of Benfica. The guy's been a total pro since day one. He's never given up even when things got tough. And so look, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad to see someone like that get rewarded, but we've seen, we've seen with Bruno Lage, um, since he's taken over here for, for Rivitore, that if you put in the, the effort and you do everything that's asked of you and you're a professional, you come in and you work, he's going to give you a chance. I mean, going back to Tarap, going back to this guy that no one, Believed in no more. Same thing, Gabriel. Let's not forget, Gabriel was kind of pushed aside. He wasn't yeah. a key part. I mean, uh, Rui Vitoria wasn't a big fan. So there's a lot of guys on this team that have a lot, you know, that owe a lot of their success uh, so far early on to 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 uh, to, to Bruno Lage. And uh, I think, uh, you know, this guy is is an absolute team player, um, and he, he deserves everything he's getting from Benfica. And again, I just 
that four years is a little bit too long. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a couple of years. Let me, uh, let me, and look, maybe the four years is is a measure so you don't have to pay him that high of a salary. Instead, they spread it out through four years instead of three years. I, look, I know, I don't know. There, there's all these mechanisms, financial mechanisms that they they put in play. You know, signing bonus, so on and so forth. The guy eventually ends up getting close to what he wanted. Uh, but you know, let me let me ask you this real quick, Cristiano. Do you think that Samadis is a natural substitute of Luizão as far as the locker room presence? Yeah, I think a lot of people. I mean, Hugo, our good friend Hugo Ferreira, said to me earlier today that you know uh, he hopes that he's the next captain of Benfica, and you know Chardel is not around. And I said, look, the only other guy on the team that I could see being Benfica captain if he's not around, but unfortunately, I do see him leaving the summer, and that's Ruben Diaz. If Ruben Diaz is there, I think he should get the the Brasadeira, right? Yeah. I think he should get the captain's armband. Uh, but if he's not there, I have no problem with Samadis uh, being captain. I mean, this guy shows all the leadership skills. Um, I don't know if you recall, Alfredo. I mean, we might have to replay some of our podcasts from earlier on the beginning of the season. But I told you after I toured with Benfica and I came back and I, and I don't know if you remember, but I told you that this guy plays a huge part inside the locker room that the Benfica players all look to him. And they all, I mean, I told you, that was the guy that, was the, that I felt was the most liked by his teammates in the club uh have after spending that time with them and so i mean you see that now the team the team and his teammates they they relate to him um they they back this guy up and they see that 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 fraud they see that love that he has for benfica which is crazy man i mean this is not even a portuguese guy and and he represents benfica he, he loves being a benfica player you've seen it this weekend with the little shenanigans going back and forth between him and Fabio Quentrón, pointing at the crest on Benfica. I mean, it's it's a beautiful sight to see. I mean, he's been absolutely mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal. He's been everything that 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 you could expect and more. And so I'd have absolutely no problem with him being a, a team captain. Yeah. Uh, as long as I mean, look, Almeida also another guy that renewed yesterday, so he'll be around for. No, I don't know if that's official yet. Okay, but. The word, okay, the word is that the word is that he's gonna. So I mean, he's probably gonna be the team captain if uh, Ruben Diaz sticks around. I think he should get the brasileiro. But uh, I mean, just look, it's good to have a bunch of leaders, a bunch of guys that know what it is to be a Benfica and to have the right attitude. Yeah. And they come into youngsters and and push youngsters to 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 want to get to their level. And so I mean, it's 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 a good problem to have. Yeah, and I, look, I think that the brasileiro is is something that's a that's a visual thing for. Posevir, right? Um, but I, I think that the, the leaders in, in the locker room don't need a Brasileira. Everybody knows who they are, the role models, the leaders, the guy that leads by example. And I think that Samaris is one of those guys. So I don't I don't think that regardless of whether he gets the Brasileira or not, because I think that, you know, if Jardel has been the captain all this time and, and Andre Almeida is the sub-captain, I think it will remain like that until those guys go out. Everybody knows that that Samadis is as good as a captain in a yeah, locker room. Yeah, but it's oh, come on, Alfred. I'm surprised you're saying that, man. Look, it's it's a source of pride. You're the face. Without of the, a doubt, you're the face of the team. You represent the team and the galas and all this BS. You're the guy that everyone looks. Yes, you could be a. Yeah, I mean, there's many ways of being a leader in the locker room. All right, there's silent leaders. There's leaders that that do by example. There's there's many forms of being a leader, right? But I think when you have an opportunity to wear the armband, and, and we're talking about a club like Benfica, of any club, to be honest with you, but more so when it's a Benfica, you know, a giant of, of European football, and you have the opportunity to be the the voice, to be the face of, of, of that organization, I mean, it's it's a tremendous sense of pride, and it's something that I think 
a lot of people might play it off like you just did nonchalantly like oh yeah you know it's uh, you know it's okay i'll you know i'll be a leader in my own little way yeah i, I know it, you know that 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 brasileira forget i mean that's that's a huge huge motivation um and it's a huge honor for any player to wear just ask Luis own i mean yeah. just just see how much it meant to him and now you get a guy like you know samaris who who wears his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, you put that Brasileira on this guy, this guy is going to be running through walls. I mean, he does it now. Just yeah. imagine with the Brasileira. No, I get that. I get that that's uh, the, the public figure, the face of the team. Uh, but I, I think that uh, within the locker room, I think that there's a lot of respect for, for somebody. And I don't think anybody could dispute that. And especially for what he's gone on, I, I think that he, he will be one of the leaders of this locker room. So the intent to renew him, uh, is, a, is a step towards that, is a step to keeping the harmony and the chemistry in the locker room. Dave, how do you feel yeah. about somebody's renewal? Yeah, it's uh, long overdue, especially how we've seen his uh, play uh, increase, his time increase, and uh, how much of uh, an important role he's been playing uh, under Bruno Lage. I'm not too concerned about that fourth year because, uh, if anything, it protects the, the club uh, so we don't have to go through this again in three years if he's having an, uh, another good season and uh, he decides to walk out and we get nothing for him. So I think the fourth year might protect the club. And if uh, we decide to sell him uh, in the future, we can uh, recoup some uh, money back. So I'm not too concerned about that fourth year, but uh, overall uh, happy that he's renewed. And now uh, it's time to uh, renew Rafa and get him on a new deal. Yeah, but uh, Rafa still Rafa, has some some time. Didn't left Rafa resign? Didn't he resign as nah, well? No, or that's he, all BS. No, he's got time on his contract. His contract is not up. But yeah, there, there's talks that he, he's going to. Um, and, and Dave, I love you, bro, but you're not selling. You're not making any money off somebody. He's 30 years old. No, nah, unless he unless he goes back, unless it's go, Galatasaray yeah. money or something he's like gonna that. He's going to stay till he retires or Benfica. He's going to come to the day. Benfica don't want him. And he says, look, I'll resend and you don't have to pay me and I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, unless they, not making any yeah money unless they send him back to uh, Turkey. But I, I think if they send him but back to then, Turkey, they won't be making any money. It's I, just I, as, as a courtesy to finish his career. But yeah. I, I think that he might finish his career at Benfica, to be honest with you. But we'll see. Um, anyway, up next, last game of the season, Santa Clara uh, at Stadio Luz, 6.30 local on Saturday. So this this Saturday. Um, Dave, what's, uh, what's Santa Clara up to this year? Uh, currently, they're having a career year this season. Uh, they're sitting in eighth place with 42 points, uh, tied on points with uh, Rio Ave, actually, with uh, 11 wins, 9 draws, 13 losses. So this has been their uh, best ever performance in the uh, Campeonato in their club uh, history. They've secured a promotion or not promotion, but they're staying up again this season. Um, overall, Benfica has beaten Santa Clara seven out of the eight times that they've played against each other. Uh, and uh, their Santa Clara's last five games, one win, three draws, uh, one losses. So not the most informed uh, team, but uh, so... Uh, we take care of business at home and we'll be uh, crown champions. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was looking at something. Uh, Santa Clara actually has the third best defense away from um, from Azores Island where they play. Um, Porto has only allowed 11. Befica has allowed 14 goals. Santa Clara has allowed 15 goals away from their uh, home turf. So... Uh, Quite an impressive uh, stat there for for Santa Clara, but look, uh, I I don't Santa Clara doesn't have anything to play for, as you mentioned. They're they're 
place on the table is pretty secure. Um, I don't know what kind of approach they're going to have to this in this game. They're they're definitely probably not going to come and and park the bus. And uh, for those of you that are familiar with Santa Clara, you know that Santa Clara is very uh, deep ties to Benfica. Uh, their crest is very similar to Benfica's. There's quite a few play, quite a few. I think there's a couple players that uh, that have been loaned out to Santa Clara, if I'm not mistaken. Martin. Korean, Korean, Korean uh, Cardoso. Who's yeah. not on loan, but he was developed. Yeah, he was, but, but you, you know, Cardozo has gone, has gotten to Santa Clara via many other channels. He was in Scotland. Rangers. He came from Scotland Rangers. at one point. Yeah. Uh, so last season he came. From, but look, there's definitely some, 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 some deep ties. I don't think that Santa Clara is going to lay down, but I don't think that Santa Clara is going to be closed out. Eleven guys um, behind the ball. And I also don't think that Santa Clara is going to come in and just open their legs for Benfica. I think they're going to play a an eye-to-eye game with Benfica. And I think that the, a lot of these guys are probably going to enjoy the atmosphere of the, the stadium. To me, it doesn't. I don't give a crap who Benfica plays this Saturday. This takes me back to a couple of seasons ago against Vitória Guimarães. Benfica spanked them 5-0. Benfica could have played Porto with Sporting this weekend at this jam-packed style to lose with the Campeonato on the line and the fans as excited. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a madhouse at the start of the lose on Saturday. So I think Benfica players are gonna be riding on a very high cloud, very very high cloud. Yeah, and they're gonna spank the crap out of out of uh, Santa Clara. Uh, it, it's gonna be a magnificent magnificent uh, afternoon. Now. Look, they still got to play the game. Mm-hmm. And just because I think that, that, that that's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. I'm hoping it does. But, you know, I, I, it, it, it's very reminiscent of, of that one game against uh, Guimarães, which was supposed to be a very tough game. I mean, Fika just steamrolled them uh, right first minute. I mean, it was the game was over within 10, 15 minutes. And I think it's going to be the same thing here um, this Saturday at the start of the lose. Yeah. Vai ser festa. Festa. Lol principio. Yep. No mega bar. Nessa no mega bar e acaba depois no Marquês. Yeah, we hope that um, that Benfica does their 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 job, obviously. But uh, like I said, I don't think this is a Santa Clara team that is coming to to just be part of the the festa. I think that they're going to play their style, but uh, they're not going. They're, they're just going to be relaxed. They they really got nothing to play for. They're just going to come out and play, and whatever it is, it is. But I think that Benfica has the uh, the obligation, and also with the the buzz that's being created about uh, the the sellout, uh, the people that are going to be in the stadium, something similar to Guimarães' game a few years back, as Cristiano mentioned. Um, I think that uh, Benfica has uh, has a very very good chance to uh, to win that thirty seventh. Dave, what do you think, Dave? On the score line, I think yeah, it's going to be a, a blow just because like we've talked about. We had uh, a much difficult opponent in Guimarães when we were uh, at the same stage uh, a couple of years ago, and we blew them out of the water 5 nothing. So I hope the uh, crowd uh, is a positive for the players and they don't come in feeling the uh, pressure and uh, underperform, but I'm not expecting that with this team. Uh, I'm hoping they score lots of goals, get over the 100-goal uh, mark for the season, but I'm going to be also selfish, and I hope that they uh, pick up a clean sheet because I don't want to concede another goal. 30 is already way too much uh, goals to be conceding for this team. So score lots of goals, concede none, and uh, party all night long. Party all night long. And it's Saturday night, so you'll have Sunday to recuperate. So 
here's to uh hoping everything that uh, goes well and we hope that we're here next week uh celebrating so we don't have much else uh i got one last note uh benfica's uh women's team plays the the tasa de portugal uh, a few hours before the Benfica game i think it's two before or three I... hours before the before. the Benfica game I, if i'm not mistaken at the jamor um cristiano here's a trivia question for you do you know how many goals benfica's women's team as scored and and across all competitions this season how many games give me how many games you give me total you gotta give me a count i think you've it they've looked that up so i don't give i don't give it up i'm trying to find that go on to uh zero zero competitions feminino and i'm not i'm not looking at anything as you can see i'm okay voila fish as well so fish was so Benfica's women's team. Fish How many teams are in, are, are in the first division? I don't know nothing. How many teams are in first division? Well, before whatever, second, they're not even in the first division. Know, division, whatever it's called. You know what I mean? In the league they play in, guys. Come on, make it easy. Peraí, peraí. Que a gente vai já ver. Tem os olhos tapados. Futebol fecha os olhos. Tá, olha aqui os olhos tapados. Playing peekaboo, bro. Okay, senhores. Senhores, vai falar aí. Feminino. Uh, Faz, Somebody Ceres. should be playing the clown music right now in the background. That's that's Jeopardy, bro. That's not clown music. Oh. Oh, you oh, What's is that Jeopardy? Music? I don't even know if that's Jeopardy. Uh, they have played 30 games. So 30 games this season. And that's that's including Tasa. That's everything. That's everything. So Benfica has scored 173 goals. Not even close, brother. More? So more than 173 because they scored 28 in one game. Yep. So that's why I was going 173. So damn, that's all right. So 338. No. More? For We're about to hire. We're about to sign sign their striker, bro, for next season. <laughs> Dave, you 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 see it? No. I'll uh what do you say? See shit right now because I'm just bro. More than, more than 350. More? Hey, and here we are struggling for goals at certain points of the season. No wonder they let go of Ferreira and Castillo. They knew what they had Can over there. Can we sub in uh, for Sneferovic? <laughs> hey, no, no. 432. Too many. Oh, up, I didn't just give it. Eye. So it's between 315, 470, and 32. So four, 403. You were close. 402. Ah, so I was close. 402 goals. That's how many goals the women's team with one more game to go, though. More game to go. Sus homens jogam contra mancas, as mulheres jogam contra mancas. 400 goals. Hey. 402 goals, and they've only conceded six goals. And here we are celebrating Benfica at 99 goals. <laughs> they, they quadrupled Benfica's output. They have only allowed one goal uh, for the, the Portuguese championship, they've allowed five goals in the Tasa. In the Tassa uh, competition, 402 goals scored, six goals allowed, 29 wins, one draw. And that one draw came uh, in the Tassa game. And I guess they ended up winning, obviously, penalties. And I think that was uh, either against Braga or Sporting, if I'm not mistaken. I think Braga. But anyway, I'll leave you with that. So another reason to to cheer. So we might have uh, double winners on uh, on Saturday night. Um, so that's all uh, That's all we got for this week. Dave, any uh, parting thoughts? No, everybody enjoy the game on Saturday, wherever you're watching it. Uh, party responsibly, but uh, Forza Benfica, and uh, 
I hope we're here next week having a good celebration. Yeah, because and- uh, it's been such a wild ride this season with such highs and such lows. But uh, yep, and we and see ja- the light. And Jafush, for, for the love of the Lord, man, if you're celebrating and you're videoing yourself. Please cover that ass crack, man. Nobody wants to see that ass crack as you're celebrating that uh, that rim uh, rounder by uh, Toronto. Jesus, man. Get a hold of yourself. Anyway, uh, you can follow Dave on Twitter at 87DO87. Cristiano at 10CO10. Uh, at Benfica Podcast is where we can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. BenficaPodcast.com is where our, all our episodes are posted. Also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and all that good stuff. I believe we're on Spotify also. Next week, we'll be back. Hopefully, it will be a, a, a cheery one. We'll recap uh, No, we'll, we'll recap the game against uh, against Santa Clara. We'll we'll talk about the end of the season. And then we will have one more episode after that where we'll do the season recap with our awards of the season, as you're familiar and accustomed to, uh, to hearing. Uh, and uh, that's it. Thanks a lot for checking us out. We'll be back next week, Tuesday. As always, um, my name is Alfredo. Cristiano and Dave have been here with me. Episode number 324. See everybody.